In the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So we know that today Christ tells us plainly that I am the bread of life. Right? There's no question about that, that He is the bread of life. And when you think of the way you take this bread, that you partake of this bread, it's also clear to us that we partake of this bread in the Eucharist, right? We partake of the bread of life through the bread and the wine that are converted into the body and the blood of Christ, right? So, I've spoken to you many times about the significance of the Eucharist and what it does in transforming our life and how critical it is for our salvation. And without the Eucharist, we have no union with Christ. Without the sacramental life, we are separated from God, okay? Today, I want to focus on a few practical ways that we can come to the liturgy and benefit from the liturgy and actually experience the joy and the grace that comes from partaking of his body and his blood in the Eucharist. Okay, so I first thought of 10 practical tips that we can keep in mind and apply throughout our time in the liturgy. And then I try to think of a fancy way to remember them and I try to put together an acronym. I was struggling, so then I just realized that bread of life has a lot of good letters that I could work with. Although it's 11 letters in bread of life, I'm going to just use that as the acronym for us to remember these few tips. So I just added one more to make it 11. And you can see up on the screen that this is just a little list of practical ways that we can come to the liturgy and actually benefit. Okay, so B-R-E-A-D-O-F-L-I-F-E, bread of life. Those are the 11 little tips, all right? Be on time, read beforehand, engage yourself, annotate, drift into prayer, on the way, pray, faith, leave it behind, involve children, forgive others, and finally exchange. All right, so everybody can remember this because we all know how to spell bread of life. Okay, so I'm going to quiz you in the end and hopefully you remember, and after liturgy, if you remember these 11, maybe I'll give you an extra piece of urban after <laughs> we finish. All right, so I'm going to try to fly through these, okay, so we can finish at a good time. And speaking of time, the first one is be on time. All right. I always talk about this. You can't expect to walk into a movie 20 minutes after it starts and actually enjoy the movie. You're going to be lost. You're not going to know what happened. You're not going to know how it started. And then you're going to sit through this movie that you're confused and lost throughout the whole movie. You're not going to enjoy. You're going to walk out and you're going to say, this was worthless. Okay? This requires that we actually understand the significance of the liturgical process. Liturgy cannot be reduced to the one or two minutes at the very end whenever I actually take the bread and the wine, which is the body and the blood of Christ. A lot of times we think that I take communion at that moment. And that's a terrible way to think about it. I take communion throughout the liturgy. Okay? And it starts with the beginning. It starts from the very first minute. 
Yet actually, it starts from the night before with vespers and then midnight praises. Hopefully, when we have a place of our own, we can actually have those services. But remember to be on time. Sleep early. If you need to mod- like modify your schedule so that you're not out late the night before, just take that seriously and be on time. Okay, next, the R is read beforehand. Liturgy is dynamic, okay? Every liturgy is different, even though it cycles throughout the liturgical year. If you notice, throughout all of the readings, there's a specific theme, and it's beautiful to try to put it all together with the readings of Vespers and Matins, and then the, the five readings throughout the Liturgy of the Word. You have the, the Pauline, the Catholic Epistle, you have Acts, the Synexarium, and the actual Gospel, Okay? A lot of times we come into the liturgy and we have no idea what the theme of this liturgy is all about. And then we deprive ourselves of the actual benefit we would gain had we taken a peek at these readings and prepared, prayed the night beforehand and looked at these readings so that we can come and be more engaged. Oh, this is the Sunday about the bread of life. This is the Sunday about the light of the world. This is the Sunday about this or that. And try to connect all of that so you could actually benefit from the liturgy. Number three is the E, which is engage yourself. A lot of times we think of liturgy as an idle process. Like I just come and stand by, right? Almost like I'm coming to watch a game, right? I'm just like a spectator. And again, that's a terrible way to approach liturgy and that's an easy way to walk in and out without benefiting at all. So if we really want to benefit, we engage ourselves. We sing, we chant. And if you don't know the hymns and the chants, learn them. We have hymns classes. We're actually just going to go back to the classes for the deacons and the ecclesiastical choir right after liturgy today. And anybody can actually learn hymns. You don't have to be a muallim or a deacon. Okay? And don't talk to me about, oh, but I don't have the best voice and this or that. Like, Come on, God, God doesn't care about that, n- nor do the people in here care. We're all praying, and we're all worshiping God, and we're all lifting up our hearts, and that's what matters. So be engaged. Sing and chant. Lift up your hearts and your voices. When we were in Kenya, and we prayed liturgy with everybody there, and they're up on their feet, and they have drums, and they're singing, and it's like a celebration. That's how liturgy should be. Be engaged, and think of it as a celebration. We say that this is the wedding banquet. It's a wedding, it's a celebration, so act like it's a celebration, not like it's a funeral and you're all down and gloomy, okay? Number four is the A, which is annotate, okay? Take notes. For example, in this sermon, I'm going to share with you these 11 tips, and I don't know if you're going to remember them a week from now. And you can probably think back at all of the amazing sermons that You've heard, you know, I'm sure I've given you the best sermons in the world. (laughs) But what happens the next day? You forget, right? And so we went to school annotating, taking notes with a notebook and a pen. Why don't we do that throughout the sermons? Even forget about me, okay? Other, (laughs) Other preachers, all right? You listen to a word of benefit, write it down. Write it down, not just in your heart. And not just in your mind, because as good as an advice may be, we, we all have limitations to our memory and our capacity. Come with a notebook and a pen. And 
There are a couple of people that I know actually do that, and I love it. I love it because I can even look back in their notebook from a sermon that I gave like a year or two ago, and, and I remember, oh wait, I already talked about that part. <laughs> and I myself forget. I just have to go back to my notes. Okay, come with a notebook and a pen. Be engaged. Remember what you heard throughout the sermon so that you can actually build this history of wealth and knowledge and spiritual advice throughout your participation in a liturgy. D, which is the final letter in bread, is drift into prayer. Okay? During the Pauline epistle, the priest prays a silent prayer. He says, We ask you to grant us and all your people a mind free from wandering and a clear understanding. Grant us a mind free from wandering and a clear understanding that we may know and understand how profitable are your holy teachings. So, we're supposed to focus. We're not supposed to wander, right? But I want you to be free to drift into the prayer. A lot of times we come to the liturgy and we think, I have to fix myself on every single word and follow every single word throughout the process of liturgy. And now that the priest, uh, priest is praying this part, I have to follow whatever he's praying. And then the next part, I have to follow that, I have to follow that. And it's more of this rigid process. Right? And we bind ourselves to this process. We kind of restrict ourselves. But we don't have to pray in this rigid way. I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say the deacons are chanting the, the hymn of Through the Intercession. Right? Through the Intercession of St. Mary. And there's a matter on your heart that you want to leave in St. Mary's hands. And so... Let yourself just drift into asking for St. Mary's intercessions at that moment. Next thing you know, they finished all of the intercessions, and then the deacons are now praying the praxis response about the resurrection, and you lift up your heart to meditate on the power of his resurrection. Maybe there's a part that the priest says that really sticks with you, right? Whenever he says, lead us throughout the way into your kingdom, and you're thinking about God's will and how you can follow this way and this path and to have the humility to hear His voice. And next thing you know, we're in the fraction and then you're praying there like, let yourself be free to drift. You don't have to like follow every single word and then if you miss a word, it's, it's the end of the world. <laughs> so be free to drift and be free to wander. And that's exactly why God gave us the sword of mind. A lot of times we think that a wandering mind is like a curse. We think that there's a problem with our mind because it wanders so much. But God gave us a mind that wanders precisely so that we can drift into all sorts of avenues in med meditating and contemplating on God. We're supposed to be wandering. We're supposed to be drifting, but on God. Oh, which is the sixth tip. On the way, pray. Okay, there are actually three psalms that the church has set aside for us to pray on the way to church. Anybody know these three psalms? Anybody know that we have these three psalms? <laughs> psalm 25, Psalm 83, and Psalm 121. Okay, and they meditate on the joy of entering into the temple of the Lord to worship. For example... David says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. They're beautiful psalms. 
And the moment I get in the car, as we're driving to the church, I say, Hey Siri, play two church playlists. And then it just plays these three songs that I have in a little playlist. Actually, Siri, not the time for that. <laughs> we're already in church, Siri. Okay, so... I practice what I preach. <laughs> so, put these three psalms in a little playlist, and as soon as you get into the car, play. Or if you're driving with somebody, whoever's in the driver's seat can pray those out loud so you can pray together. I don't want you to be driving and holding Nikbeya, and then on your way to church, you're really going to meet the Lord, but in a different way. <laughs> so, pray on the way, okay? Get into the spirit of the liturgy, as you're leaving church, as you're packing your stuff together, as you're getting dressed, you can't just turn on this switch into like liturgy mode the moment you just walk in. That's a terrible way to approach liturgy. It's not an on and off switch. It's a process. F, which is the seventh tip, faith. Okay? This is a very practical bit of advice although we think of faith as something abstract, I think we could simplify it to say, do I really have faith that what I'm approaching is truly the body and the blood of Christ? Do I believe that this is the source of eternal life? Okay? And do I believe in the process that it requires for me to come and partake of this bread of life? Do I have faith that if I do submit to this process, the process of coming on time and disciplining my mind and praying attentively, not allowing my mind to wander into what I'm going to eat after liturgy or wandering about when I'm going to finish my taxes because they're due in like two days, but actually submitting myself to the sacrifice that it requires for me to come and partake of the Eucharist so that I can benefit. Do I have faith that if I follow this process, I will actually benefit. I promise you, once we have that sort of faith, nothing will get in the way of benefiting from partaking of the bread of life. Number eight, which is L, leave it behind. Leave it all behind. Both the tangible and the intangible. Leave your phone in the car, your watch in the car. Like I'm the only person allowed to look at the watch during the liturgy. I'm the only person allowed to look at the time. Because I'm the only one who has control over the time. Okay? I can sit up here for an hour and preach if I want. I can pray the liturgy in 25 minutes, which you've all seen me do before. I can speed through things. I can slow down. I can do whatever. You're just here to, to pray and to lift up your heart regardless of when it's going to end. And every time you feel like you're a little bored and then you look at your time, like, looking at your watch isn't going to change when liturgy is going to end, okay? So forget about what's going to happen. Forget about your obligations. Don't look at your phone. Don't scroll through your text messages. If you can just leave your phone behind, it's better. But if you have to have it, I understand. Put it on Do Not Disturb or just turn it off. But... If you're here, then be here. If you're here, be present. What's the point of being here physically, but not mentally? 
Okay? Number nine, the ninth tip is involve your children. Okay? Get them engaged. Bring your liturgy book. Bring a coloring book. Any spiritual activities. Okay? If, if our children, if infants are not actually here and learning to participate in the liturgy, they're going to grow up miserable. And I know the teenagers that were never really involved in the liturgy whenever they were young because they have absolutely no endurance throughout the liturgy. You can't pay them to come on time and you can't pay them to go throughout the liturgy without looking at their phone or texting people because they were never really engaged or involved in the liturgy since they were young. Okay? So there's a lot of spiritual activities that we can do with our children. Give them the freedom to actually enjoy the liturgy, to walk around, to uh, just yell and shout with the deacons, even though they're totally off. I love it, and God certainly loves it. You know, He says that if, if these do not chant out, even the rocks will chant out to me. Okay? Even these very stones will chant out and praise His name. And out of the mouths of babes and suckling infants, He has perfected praise. Right? So let them lift their voices, let, let them actually be involved so that they can grow up to be in love with the liturgy. That's what we want. We want to tailor to a future of youth that love the liturgy. Number 10, which is F, forgive others. There's nothing worse than coming to liturgy with a heavy conscience. I'm sure some of you have experienced this struggle before. Not just because there's tension between you and someone else, but anything that weighs your conscience down prevents you from actually engaging in the liturgy and participating in the liturgy. But one of the biggest problems that weigh our conscience down is whenever there is tension between me and someone else. And that's why Christ said, if you come to offer a sacrifice, but someone still has something against you, leave your sacrifice, leave your offering, go back and reconcile, and then come. Right? So, walk out of the liturgy, go, forgive the person that you have problems with, and then come back. That's exactly what Christ said. Leave the sacrifice at the altar. Like, imagine that I literally just walk out of liturgy in the middle of praying, and I want to reconcile with somebody. Right? So forgive the people that you're upset with or the people that have upset you. Clear your conscience and come with an open mind, with a clear conscience that you can actually participate in the liturgy. Number 11, which is the final one, E, is exchange. Okay? Come with a mind of exchanging. Come with a preparation to exchange. Okay? This is your mission. You're coming to make an exchange. The core of liturgy is an exchange. Listen to what Archimedes Zechariah says. In the Holy Eucharist, we accomplish the exchange of our limited and temporal life for the unlimited and infinite life of God. We offer to God a piece of bread and a little wine. And then he goes on a little later and says, 
God accepts our gifts and fills them with his life and he renders them back to us. So we give to God this bread and wine. What does he give us? His body and his blood. And so we can apply this to the whole process. We can apply this to the tangible and the intangible. We give God both the tangible and the intangible. We give Him our heart and we give Him our possessions. Not just money, but any gifts. Like I mentioned to you a little bit earlier about how we pray liturgy in in Kenya and how it's a big celebration. They would actually come and bring their crops, right? Fruits. Somebody would come and just bring a chicken. And like, this is what I have, you know? Just give the church a chicken so that they could feed the other, the other people, feed the poor. Right? But in exchange for that chicken, you're getting eternal life. You're getting salvation. Come with an exchange. We should always teach our kids this mindset. Like, a child should learn to walk in and just put a dollar into the money box, into the donation box, even though it's not his own dollar. <laughs> it's a dollar that his dad gave him or his mom gave him. He walks in, and, and now he's programmed to understand, I'm not coming just to stand by. I'm not coming out of greed. I'm coming to offer. And I'm telling you, we'll walk away empty-handed if we walk in empty-handed. Repeat that one more time. We'll walk away empty-handed if we walk in empty-handed. Okay? And it's not just the possessions or the money or the chicken or the fruit, (laughs) but it's actually offering God our heart, offering God our attention, offering God all of our concerns. And the moment we walk into that door, we leave it all behind and we say, God, I'm going to give you my heart, my attention, all of my energy. I'm going to give you my voice. I'm going to give you all that I've got. I'm going to give you my whole self in exchange for yourself. Okay? Now, we, we went through all of the tips. Okay? All 11. Bread of life, right? So, hopefully you remember them, but I'm going to put them up on the screen for just a second. So, just to recap... <laughs> Be on time, read beforehand, engage yourself, annotate, drift into prayer, on the way pray, faith, leave it behind, involve children, forgive others, and exchange. Alright? So, you regurgitate those 11 as you're coming up for the Urban at the end, you're going to get a little extra piece. So may God give us the grace and the strength to actually benefit from the liturgy. This is the most beautiful part of our life. Whenever we come and commune with Christ, and He abides in us, and we in Him, unto God is due all glory forever. Amen.